This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Our Miss Brooks, along with her landlady, Mrs. Davis, will show up in half an hour. But right now, we're going to scoot along to a show that fans of Radio Gumshoes really enjoy. Another detective whodunit featuring Sam Spade. Now, The Adventures of Sam Spade Detective was a radio series based loosely on the private detective character Sam Spade, created by writer Dashiell Hammett for the Maltese Falcon. In the 40s, it was a very popular staple of the airwaves, featuring Howard Duff in the lead role until 1950, when he left to find more work in film and television. Stephen Dunn stepped into the role. Dunn majored in major and uh, journalism during his two and a half years at the University of Alabama. While there, he worked at a local radio station and found himself in love with the business. Well, he eventually moved to New York, where he worked as both an announcer and a newscaster. He went on to star as Private Eye Sam Spade in The Adventures of Sam Spade from 1950 through 51. He was the announcer as well for The Bob Crosby Show in 1958 and The Liberace Show in 1958 and 59. The other half of the acting team was Lorene Tuttle, who played his secretary, Effie. Now, she was an American character actress and acting coach who made the transition from vaudeville to radio and later films and television. Her motion during Impact was one of the network radio's most versatile actresses, often appearing in, get this, 15 shows per week, comedies, dramas, thrillers, soap operas, and crime dramas. She became known as the First Lady of Radio. The series was largely overseen by producer-director William Spear, in 1947, scriptwriters Jason James and Bob Tolman received an Edgar Award for Best Radio Drama from the Mystery Writers of America. Now, here's an interesting sidebar. Dashiell Hammett's name was removed from the series in the late 40s because he was being investigated for involvement with the Communist Party. <laughs> How about that? Well, let's proceed to the episode of Sam Spade entitled The Prodigal Panda. Broadcasting Company presents The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Sam Spade, Detective Agency. Me, sweetheart. Merry 29th of December. You too, Sam. Did you take the little boy home? Yep. Straight home? Well, not exactly, F. Had to make a couple of emergency stops, but we got there. What do you mean, Sam? Well, I got my weekly nod on the head, for one thing. Sam, just taking the little boy home? Like I said, F, we were derailed. There was a dash of poison, for instance. <gasps> a couple of pounds of thousand-buck notes. Oh, and an infernal machine that nearly blew up half the mission district. But other than that, we had a peaceful ride home. Why, Sam, this sounds like a caper. Which is just what it is, Angel. Get out our special holiday bottle of Napa Valley wine, and we'll get in our premature regards to the new year, following dictation of a report entitled, The Prodigal... Prodigal, uh... Sam? Are you sure that's the right word? Certainly, I'm sure. The wanderer will return to the roost. You and your big, fat roost. With our last bedtime story for 1950, namely, The Prodigal Panda Caper. For NBC, William Spear, radio's outstanding producer, director of mystery and crime drama, brings you the greatest private detective of them all in The Adventures of Sam Spade. Effie! Miss Perrine! Oh, coming, Sam, coming. I've been looking in the dictionary. Oh? Sam, you've fallen into the trap. Again? Prodigal. Here, now, see? Prodigal. Given to reckless extravagance. It doesn't mean wandering at all, see? Now, people think just because the prodigal son wanders that just... What are we talking about? Well, the prodigal panda caper. 
How can a panda be given to reckless extravagance? Well, let me see. Hmm. Oh, here. Definition three, prodigal. Yielding abundantly, luxuriant. A panda? You mean one of those black and white... Oh, right, right. See note below. It says, you ready for the note below? Where's my pencil? Oh, all right, then. I date. Fill in it. Two... Master Roebuck Dozier, 2318 Delaney Street, City. From Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the, the prodigal... panda pa- caper. Right. <laughs> Dear Roby, I'd spent a relatively pleasant day running down a case of slow pay in North Beach and flushed with success had returned to my office for a final check of the file. Underwood, Helen, Usher, Roderick, Varden, Dolly. Where the... Oh, Spirits, Holiday. I sat down, put my hat and my feet on the desk, and was loosening my collar when I noticed just to the right of my off ankle one large bag of jelly beans. Sighting past it, I saw in the corner chair an open copy of a magazine featuring on the cover... A blonde in a low-cut dress, taking a 38 slug from a slack-jawed thug in the background under big red letters spelling out, Thrilling Crime Comics. And behind all this, sound asleep, was you. Hey, hey, Sonny. Sonny. Hey. Hey, wake up, will you? Come on, Reveille's blowing. Huh? Oh. Hi, hi. How long you been here? A long time, I guess. What's your name? Roby. Short for Roebuck. Well, what can I do for you, Roby? I've been to the police. They wouldn't do anything. They said I should come to you. You mean you got a job from me? Yeah. Dangerous? Yeah. A hoist. You mean a heist. What was it? My panda bear. Oh, someone stole it? Yeah. It's not mine, really. I bought it for my little brother, Barney. Mm-hmm. He's five and he's always wanted one. So when I got the junk money, I junk went... Junk money? Oh, bottles and papers and stuff. Oh. I collected it from the neighbors and earned six stars and 15 cents. And Barney wanted the panda bear, so I bought it at Lacey's department store today, and they stole it. Who stole it? Well, there was this man in the checkered coat and the lady in the red silk dress, uh-huh. just like the store in the comic here. Oh. The man looked like that, but the lady looked different. Mm-hmm. She had black hair and a red dress. And her eyebrows went up this way instead of sideways. I was walking down the street with my panda bear, and the lady called me over to a car she was sitting in and started to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And right away, the man in the checkered coat ran up and grabbed at my panda bear, and they chased me up a fire escape. And the man pulled out a big black gun and said if I didn't come down and give him the panda, he'd shoot me and Barney and Mom. So I came down and gave him the panda. Well, that's quite a mouthful. Oh, excuse me, Roby. Hello? Sam? Yeah, Dundee. This is Dundee. Oh. Sam, there's a little fellow about eight years old on his way over there. No, he's here now, Lieutenant. What's the deal? Uh, he gave us quite a story. Well, how'd it go? Oh, we took it down. I got it right here Good. somewhere. Let me see. It's about a man in a checkered coat and a lady in a red silk dress. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Quote, I was walking down the street with my panda bear, and the lady called me over to her car. She okay, was... Dundee. He hasn't changed it any. Yeah, we got hold of his mother. Runs an elevator in the Rust Building. Good. She says he reads too many comic books. You better send him home. Okay, Lieutenant, thanks. Come on, Roby. You gonna send me home? Lieutenant Dundee called your mother, old man, and You he... don't believe me either. Oh, it's not that, Roby. It's just... But a... I can't go home without the panda beer. What do I tell Barney? I promised him. My own brother. Oh, he's home now, waiting? Yeah. Well, tell you what I'll do, Roby. You let me put you in a taxi and send you home, and I'll take the case. You'll get my panda back? It wouldn't be an all surprise. So if Barney's face hits the floor, just tell him Samuel Spade Incorporated's working on it. Only one thing. Huh? I haven't any money left. Oh, you got jelly beans, haven't you? Yeah. Okay, you can pay me off in jelly beans. Come on now, let's find a taxi. Which we did, Roby. Like the psychology books said, I didn't discourage the child imagination, but I did try to tout you off thrilling crime comics and onto Alice in Wonderland. This, I could see, would take some doing. It was almost closing time when I got to Lacey's, but I talked my way past the man at the door and hustled up to the sixth floor and the toy department. The clerks were doing whatever clerks do at 5.30, but I found a handy floor walker. You hear me, Mr. Spade? I just don't know. I just don't know. You mean you counted your cash and everything, but you oh, can't... Oh, it's not that, Mr. Spade. 
Oh. I am perfectly willing to uh, stretch a point to please the little fellow. Uh-huh. We uh, <laughs> we like to think we are human here, you know. Well, that's nice that uh, you like to think so, I mean. But you see, something very strange happened this afternoon. Uh, come over this way, sir, by the escalator. Oh. We had the giant pandas at uh, this counter here. Twenty-five of the large size. I assume that's what you're interested in. I guess so. Then what then? Well, for Christmas, they didn't do anything. Just sat here, huh? Yes. Mm. But would you believe it, sir, this afternoon, all 25 were sold. Well, how do you account for that? New Year's gaiety? Well, if you want my personal opinion, it's Miss Greenbrier, the new girl who came to work yesterday. She is uh, endowed with... Uh... I know just what it takes to sell panas. Well, uh, how about the junior model? Uh, medium. Yes, now, let me see. There were a few under the counter here. Good. Where? What? I was wrong. Here is a big one. Well, lucky me. How much? Five seventy-nine plus tax. I'll uh, make the slip out and uh, you can get your change over the big An impressive panda bear, Roby. It's hard to figure out how you could lose anything that big and harder still to figure out how I'd explain this kind of thing to people who stopped me on Market Street. Be that as it may, my poor walker friend took my cash, tore off the sail slip, and I was about to set sail with my panda when I heard him make the kind of a noise floor workers make when they see what he was looking at. Uh, Miss, Miss Greenbar! Miss Greenbar! She pointed weakly, turned pale even by floor walker standards, and sagged to the deck. I turned in time to see Miss Greenbrier collapse at the top of the escalator and watched her come down, draped across three steps like the cover of one of your books of bedtime stories, Roby. She was the last passenger of the day, or so I thought. When I looked closer, I saw she wasn't a passenger. She was freight. At the lamp counter on the floor above, busily adding up receipts as if nothing had happened, was a dark type built along Dragon Lady lines. I want to know about the girl who just went down the escalator. Miss Greenbrier? Yeah, notice anything strange about her? Why, is she ill? Yeah, did she look ill? I thought there must have been something wrong. I said hello to her and she didn't pay any attention to me. It was only a second ago. Where'd she come from? Uh, Around the corner. I think she'd been at the wrapping desk. She had. It was a tent-sized sheet of heavy brown paper, a batch of metered postage tape, and a shipping label addressed to Master Frankie Carson. 281 Avenida Ruiz, Havana, Cuba. Downstairs, I found my floor walker friend had come around and was bending over Miss Greenbrier with an impressive-looking gent with gray at the temples. Good heavens, it can't be. It just cannot be, that's all. I'm afraid she is, though. In laces, it's, it's unheard of. Why should she be? Good heavens, in my department, too. Excuse me, floor walker. Hmm? Oh, uh, uh, this is Mr. Spade. He was with me when it... Oh, dear. I'm uh, Dr. Kempthorne. I was exchanging some Christmas gifts when... Any idea what killed her? Well, it's pretty hard to tell without an examination, and I don't have my things with me. Heart, possibly. Natural causes? Well, well, of course. Why, do you have reason... There are more natural places to die than at the top of an escalator. And in my department at Lacey's, too. Good heaven. Well, who can say? Have to look up the girl's history. If she had a heart condition, well... Sure, sure. Meanwhile, I'll call homicide. They've nothing better to do. For a minute, I thought I'd been reading too many comic books, Roby, but things settled down when they pulled out the records and found Miss Greenbrier had had a heart condition of long standing, and the medical examiner wrote it off as natural causes. So hoping you would consider a jelly bean bonus for promptness, I picked up my panda and went. Outside, I'd gone about ten steps when... Hi, Humphrey. <laughs> it was Larry Healy, the cop who drives for oh, Lieutenant Dundee, sitting in a patrol car. Oh, you and Bogart. Uh, who's it for? A little kid in the mission. Uh, how come? What do you mean, how come? I'm buying a panda bear for a little kid in the mission who likes panda bears. Does that have to be explained? <laughs> okay, Sam. Okay, okay. Hey, it just hit me. The bear ain't turned out quite right. He needs a necktie. Oh? I just happen to have one here my brother-in-law got me for Christmas. Here, give me. Yeah. Now, see, sure, yeah. Ooh. Uh, Larry, Larry, how long has there been bad blood between you and your brother-in-law? Bad blood? Listen, even when we were friends, he gave me ties like this. <laughs> there. There you are. On your way, Sam. Thanks, thanks. Taxi! Taxi! The cab let me out near the end of Delaney, and I started walking up the row of dingy pre-earthquake flats towards your house, Roby, at the end of the street. 
Parked at the curb was a discordant note in this hard-pressed neighborhood. A sleek, custom-built red convertible. One of the kind that looks like it can go 90 miles an hour standing still. The same can be said for the dame in it. Also a discordant note. You see, San Francisco is a very big, large city. You just don't run into a dame at the lamp counter in Lacey's and a half hour later in a dumpy neighborhood in the Mission, unless she wants it that way. Well, hello. Hello, dragon lady. Oh, silly. You, uh, you must sell a parcel of lamps. The car? Mm-hmm. But uh, don't try and explain that now. Just tell me why you followed my cab. Follow you? Why, Mr. Stewart? Come on, come on. What is it? You're embarrassing me. I know. Since that moment at the lamp counter, you can't get me out of your mind. Well, that's a perfectly normal reaction. No, no, but... it's not that. It's... Oh, dear. The panda bear. You want it in the worst way. <laughs> huh? You're kind of attractive as men go, Mr. Spade. Could you give me a light, please? Sure. Holding the match up to her cigarette, three things hit me. The black hair, the red dress, and eyebrows that went up instead of sideways. At that point, the sleeve of a checkered overcoat with a big arm inside it came around under my chin from the rear, and the fourth thing hit me. How long I dwelled in panda land, I don't know, but it was real nice while it lasted. I was a panda, too, I remember. And I was going somewhere with a big, overstuffed private detective under my arm when a lady panda batted her big brown eyes at me and began pulling my nose. She seemed to have a very, very high voice. Wake up, Mr. Spade. Rappley's mm. blowing. Mm. I call Lieutenant Dunley, Mr. Spade. Sound his way. Lucky. Over here. Good, Christopher Sam. What happened? Well, well, it was this way, Dundee. I was walking down the street with my panda bear, and the lady called me over to the car she was sitting in and started to talk to me. And right away, the man in the checkered coat up. You are listening to the weekly adventure of radio's most famous detective, Sam Spade. the prodigal panda caper, tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. It was a humiliating experience, Robe, riding back to headquarters in black defeat. But dear good Lieutenant Dundee, however, was the soul of patience and understanding. What do you take me for, Spade, an idiot? Look, Dundee, all I want you to understand is that this dame and the hopped-up convertible... I've had three rides on that merry-go-round now, and I'm sick of it. Dame in a red dress and the guy in the checkered coat. They take your wallet? No. Your watch? Other valuables? No. Just my panda. Sam, are you trying to tell me there's a hot panda racket going on? Dundee, boy. Look closely now as I take off my hat. What? See? Now, as you know, my head ordinarily does not come to a point. But this protuberance was made by a gun butt, not by imagination. Oh, someone slugged you. I believe that, Sam, but this... Panda bear thing. Mm. Donnie. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. You were saying something about my panda bear, Donnie. Well, maybe I ought to take it back. That dame at the store this afternoon, the one who sold him? Miss Greenbrier. Yeah. I just finished the postmortem. No heart attack. She was poisoned. <laughs> It's a strange thing, Mr. Spade, very strange. I leave my business thoughts at the store. Floor Walker, just try and remember the dragon lady's name, huh? Dragon lady. My good gracious, I, I can't remember my own name. I'm so upset. Oh, now concentrate now. Look, dark hair, up-tilted eyebrows, red silk dress. Works in lamp department on seventh floor. I can picture her so plainly. Mm, dark hair, Floor Walker. Dark hair. Upshot eyebrows. Eyebrows and the red dress. Yes. Red, red, red. Scarlet. Scarlet. Scarlet, that's it. Easy now. I got a list of employees right here. I'll tell you. Scarlet, Scarlet, Scarlet. Uh, Scarlet Townsend? Scarlet Townsend. That's the dame. 
Stormwalker. Scarlett Townsend! Yeah, she lives here, right in this room. Move out! Today! Well, I've come! Oh! I said, I've come, landlady! Why'd she move? Me! Oh! I tried to keep her on the right track, but hurry! You can't tell them nothing! He brained that no good thing around here. I put my foot down. I said, Scarlet, I said, I said, Scarlet, I said, you're out. What no good day? What no good day, my lady? Crystal McCall. Oh. Here. I found this just now as I was cleaning the room. Picture of Crystal McCall. Now, ain't that a swell way to have your picture taken? The name rang a bell, and so did the picture, Crystal herself and they all together. When I got around to the face, I made a startling discovery. Crystal was also the late Miss Greenbrier. Well, don't look at it all day, young man. When, when did you see this girl last, landlady? This morning. Oh. She and a fella in a checkered coat come around to pick up Scarlet in the big red open car. Know the fella? Nope, never saw him before. But I'd sure know that car. Oh, you ought to see it. You're not telling me a thing, landlady. I have. In Los Angeles, I'd have been dead, but San Francisco is not a convertible town. I found a free phone and began calling the dealers, figuring a bright red custom-built convertible is something you remember, whether you see it or sell it. An hour of this got me nowhere, and I'd begun to wonder if the car had been smuggled up from the unmentionable side of the Tehachapi when the wind changed. Sold the yellow one a while back. Thanks, but near misses don't count, friend. But the buyer had it painted red. Special job. Well, you're improving. Who's the buyer? Kim Thorne. Dr. Kim Thorne? Right. Dr. Jules Kim Thorne. Lives on Motley Drive in Burlingame. That's the only red one I know. Great. That's the only red one I need. <laughs> Mr. Spade, this is utterly unbelievable. And I certainly don't intend to stand here all night discussing the pros and cons of panda bears. All right, Kim Thorne, let's slide over into your field. Meaning what? The sweet young thing at the store turned out dirty. The heart attack? The poison attack. No. Suicide, you suppose? What do you suppose? Well, I'm sure I don't know. Look, why don't we hold hands and tell the truth, huh? You'd better run along, Spade. I've had about all of this that I intended... Look, the dead dame was Crystal McCall. Does that mean anything to you? No. The same Crystal McCall who was running around with a hood named Frankie Casella, formerly of New York, now of Havana, by Department of Justice request. This is all very interesting. What has it to do with me? She was riding around in your red convertible this morning, for one thing. That's a hot car, you know. I took a close look at it two hours ago and got slugged. I don't know how you score these things, Kempthorne, but in my book, this calls for a couple of answers. You're right. You're right, it does. Where's the car? It's gone. Who has it? My chauffeur. This is the last straw, I guess. There's no point in covering up for him any longer. Who is he? Lenny Flegel. An ex-con, isn't he? Yes. I thought I could straighten him out. He's been missing for two days this time. He just took the car and left. I knew he had something to do with that girl in the toy department at Lacey's, so I went there today. I guess I was too late. You think Flegel killed her? I don't know. I don't know. Where, uh, where did you see the car? Near the end of Delaney Street. What's the license number? 49H822. Oh. I'd better report stolen. If you need me to testify, please... Feel uh... free to call. That I will, Dr. Kempthorne. Bye. <laughs> What I had in mind, of course, was to call Lieutenant Dundee and have him slap a 24-hour tail on the good doctor, but something intervened. Halfway down the walk to the street, my eye fell on a round plastic object about the size of a nickel lying in the grass. Clearly, the eye of a giant panda. Since two other eyes were obviously watching me through Dr. Kempthorne's front curtains, I continued gaily on to my cab, drove up a half block, got out and walked back. Just in time to see Kempthorne pull away from the curb in his other car heading towards El Camino and points north. Well, this left me free to prowl at will, and four matchbooks later, I had found two more eyes 
a pocket full of panda skin, and a goodly scoop of panda upholstery. The trail led to the garage. It was no wonder his car was stolen. He must have had to leave it on the street all night because there was no room for it in the garage, which had been turned into a kind of panda abattoir, crammed to the rafters with panda bears, all the giant size, too, in various stages of disobedience. Legs, arms, eyes, and innards. A sight that chilled the heart of any but the sturdiest private detective, Ruby. But I braced myself and carried on. Homicide, Dundee. This is Sam, Dundee. Sam! Where are you calling from? Phone booth in a drive-in on El Camino. Listen, the license number on the red custom job is 49H822. And the guy driving it is Lenny Flegel, an ex-con. Don't talk to me about that car. Larry Healy picked it up tonight going 90 on the Bay Shore. Great. Lousy. Why? What happened? Next time I see one of them panda bears, I'm going to spit right in its eye. So Larry pulls the guy down, and first thing he sees is the panda bear with a necktie. What about the dragon lady? Uh, She came second. All Larry can think of is the hot panda bear figures they stole it, so he takes it back to the patrol car to return it to the kid. No. Yeah. By the time he got the exhaust smoke out of his eyes, they were gone. Oh, what's that license number again? 49H822. You sure? Positive. I'm looking right at it. I... Oh, Sam. Dundee. Yeah? We're all at Anderson's drive-in on El Camino. Put it on the air. Which just shows you how slow I can think, Roby. The red job was staring at me with its big chrome eyes outside the plate glass window. Flegel and the dragon lady, bless him, were having a Saturday night blue plate displayed attractively on the tray racks hung from the car door. I sidled out of the phone booth and through the kitchen, thereby coming up on the car from behind. More coffee, honey? No, we better get going. Ah, uh, plenty of time. Mind if I join you, Flegel? Huh? <laughs> He reached and I pushed, and instead of his gun, he came up with half a hamburger. It was too harsh a light for the dragon lady to operate effectively, and by the time Larry Healy and the Powell car pulled up, they decided to do it the easy way. You all comfy back there? Lovely, Larry. Flegel? Dragon lady? Shut up. What about the red job? What are you going to do with it? Larry? Oh, oh and pound it till the lawyers are through talking. Sam, you want to go by way of Delaney Street? Yeah. Why Delaney Street? Larry delivered the panda. Huh? Sure, to the kid, Roby Dozier. We'll have to go and pick it up. Lenny. Yeah. What's it worth, Leo? Fifty thousand? A hundred? Little kid's got it? Yeah. Oh. Marcelo will be disappointed, Flegel, with the tax boys watching both him and Crystal. It looked like a safe way to get some of his dough out of the country to him. Wasn't my idea. I hated him. I did eight years for him, Spade. I could have killed him. Shut up, Lenny. I don't care anymore. To heck with it. Look, it wasn't me. The guy who's running things for him here is Dr. Kempthorne, but Crystal had the dough. He killed her. He took her to lunch today Lenny. and he... Go ahead, Lenny. So he poisoned her. Then what? She'd fixed up one of the pandas. He didn't know which. Stuffed it with bills. Eighty, a hundred thousand. I don't know. Anyway, you'll find the money in the red car under the back seat. Under the seat? What are you talking about? It's in the panda. The kid's got it. Look, why do you think I'm telling you this, you stupid flatfoot? I fixed that thing for Castello myself after we took the dough out. What, kid? It's got a bomb in it. <laughs> I don't remember much about the ride from then on, Ruby. All I could see was a white line unwinding in the headlights. But somehow we got to the end of Delaney Street and around that corner again. Roby! Roby! Over here! In the alley! Roby! Roby, are you hurt? No, just resting. Where's the panda? Well, I'm through with pandas, and so is Barney. Next junk money, I'm gonna buy him an elephant. What happened? Well, a policeman brought it. Yeah? I started home with it when a car drove up, and a man with gray hair got out. And Thorn, what then? Same thing. He grabbed it and got in his car and drove off. He's around the corner there playing with it. Go ask him. I don't care anymore. Around the corner? You mean he... Period. End of report. A highly inconsiderate thing to do to a panda. But I'll give him one thing. What thing? He had the good grace to park in front of a vacant lot before starting to tear it apart. And, of course, to coin a phrase, he saved the people some money. And now, if you're a good, efficient girl, 
and run that through your infernal machine, who knows what uh, I'll have in store for you when you're through. Ah! Ah, 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 ah. No jelly beans still work is done. Now, scoop, scoop, scoop. Yeah. Mm. I like the black ones. Lay off, lay off. Well, you know, mm. pay reading all the black ones. They're yeah. my favorites, too, now. Mm. Ah, Master Robot Dozier. Mm, pays well. Sam. Yeah? I hope Roby appreciates you. No, only just a kid. How can he appreciate me? Oh, I appreciate you, Sam. Oh, I appreciate you, too, sweetheart. You're so pretty and so efficient. Am I, Sam? And so good about not kidding me all the time for your back salary. Yep. If when I stop and think of you, I got all choked up. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Black one. Come here. Huh? Angel? Yeah? It's all yours, dear. The rest of the jelly beans. Happy New Year. Oh. Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. <laughs> The Adventures of Sam Spade are produced, edited, and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade was played by Stephen Dunn. The ring title is Effie. Script for tonight's adventure by Harold Swanton. Musical scoring by Lud Gluskin, conducted by Robert Armbruster. Join us again next week, same time, for another adventure with Sam Spade. Enjoy the magnificent Montague, then Duffy's Tavern on NBC. Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Eve Arden as Our Miss Brooks. Now, as gunshots echo across the windswept, snow-covered reaches of the wild northwest, Quaker-puffed wheat and Quaker-puffed rice, the breakfast cereal shot from guns, present the challenge of the Yukon. It's Yukon King. Swiftest and strongest lead dog of the Northwest, blazing the trail for Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police in his relentless pursuit of lawbreakers. On King, on you huskies! Gold, gold discovered in the Yukon, a stampede to the Klondike in the wild race for riches. Back to the days of the gold rush, with Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice, bringing you the adventures of Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog, Yukon King as they meet the challenge of the Yukon. They're going over like a house of fire. Yes, collecting official challenge of the Yukon dog picture cards is the big thing these days. But here's a warning. Don't be left out. Today's the last day we can tell you about the great new offer made by Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice. Listen for full details in just a few minutes. Summer had come to the Yukon, and most of the men who had gone to that vast territory to make their fortune in gold were busy working their claims or conducting various types of business in order to profit as much as possible before the long winter months returned. But the two men who rode the trail from Elk Creek to Selkirk had other ideas about how to gain some of the riches of the Northwest country. Prospectors have been going to the bank in Selkirk during the last month with their take, Bill. It'd be a good time to strike. Yeah, I know. We gotta be sure we'll succeed. First, we got to check on the fact that the constable is away from town like we heard he was. <laughs> you heard right, Bill. Fact is, I sent an Eskimo to tell the constable there was trouble at Fort River. Since he's the only Mountie in Selkirk right now, he went up there yesterday. Yeah, that was smart of you, Joe. Uh, when do we pull the bank robbery? We'll soon be there, and it's already afternoon. 
We'll go into the bank about supper time when there aren't so many people in there. And we'll be far away before that mounted the constable gets back. So let's hurry a bit. Get up! Get up! Get up! It was supper time in Selkirk, and there were only a couple of prospectors in the bank when the two crooks, Joe and Bill, reined up outside. Oh, oh, oh! All right, Bill. This is it. What can I do for you, mister? Reach. This is a holdup. All right, get your hands up. Move back there. I got the others covered. Come out from behind that counter and line up with the others. Hurry up. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Get back. Watch him, Bill. I'll go back at the counter and put those sacks of gold in this carpet bag. Hurry it up, Joe. All right. All right, move back. Get your hands up. All right. Don't try anything. All right. All right, I got the gold. Let's get out of here. What's going on here? You can't do this. Get out of my way, you Let's go, Bill. Come on. I'm ready. That evening, Sergeant Preston, with the great dog King, arrived in Selkirk and went to the cafe in search of the constable. Hold there, hold now. Easy. One King. Hi there, Sergeant. Hello, Ned. You seen anything of Constable Kinsey? Oh, he's out of town. Just when he's needed, too. Needed. What do you mean? We had a bank hold up here in town. Happened about summertime. They got away with several thousand dollars in gold. I see. Maybe you could do something about it. I'll do what I can, Ned. Thanks for the information. Let's go, King. (laughs) Easy, fella. Steady now. Get up there. Leaving the cafe, Sergeant Preston rode to the bank to get further information about the holdup. After getting a description of the crooks, Joe and Bill, from the banker and the bank teller, Preston learned that the holdup men had worn handkerchiefs over the lower part of their faces. From out, he knew it would be difficult to pick up their trail, since so many had gone in and out of the bank. I'm glad you came to town, Sergeant. I've heard great things about you and that dog of yours. Thanks. It gives me hope that those crooks will be caught. I understand your dog is wonderful at following the trail of criminals. King knows his best, don't you, fellow? But uh, though King knows the scent of the man he's trailing, he can't very well follow it. So many people have come in and out of here since that holdup, it's impossible to pick up the scent. Then there's no way King can get after them? If he were given the scent from something one of the crooks wore or held in his hand, then King could follow it even through the crowded street. Then this bandana ought to help. It was found just outside the front door after they left. I'm sure one of them dropped it, Sergeant. Now we have something. I'll take that. It'll give King the scent of the man who dropped it. Come along, King. Good luck, Sergeant. Once outside the bank, Preston held the bandana out to King. The intelligent dog sniffed for a moment. Then Preston spoke. Find him, King. Find him, Father. King stood for a moment, and then he started along the main street until he came to a space between two buildings into which he turned. Then he stopped and sniffed the air. Oh, they mounted horses here. I can see the hoof marks. Come along, King. I'll get my horse, and we'll come back here and go on from this point. A short time later, Sergeant Preston mounted his horse, and he and King returned to the place where the crooks had mounted. Steady. Easy now. Once more, the Mountie held out the bandana for King to catch the scent. Then he spoke. All right, fella. Find him. Find him, King. Get up there. Meantime, the crooks, Joe and Bill, had ridden many miles from Selkirk to a settlement called Bear Creek. They stopped a short time for food and rest. Then they continued on a short distance until they reached a branch trail. Joe called a halt. Ho, 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 ho. What are we stopping for, Joe? See that branch trail, Bill? Sure. But we better push on toward Whitehorse. If the constable gets back and should happen to get on our trail somehow... I don't think he can pick up our trail. But if he does, he'll naturally think we're heading for Whitehorse. That's why I want to take this branch trail. Well, where does it lead? It goes over to Mile Creek. From there, we can double back to Selkirk. Back to Selkirk? Are you crazy? <laughs> no. No, just smart, Bill. Think a minute. 
I am thinking, but I, I still don't get it. Look, Selkirk is the last place they think of looking for us. We already covered our trail by riding in the shallow creek back away. Even bloodhounds couldn't follow our trail after that. Say, maybe it is a good idea to go back to Selkirk at that. Sure it is. The town's crowded and fairly big. We can put up at some place along the waterfront till I get the boat from Dawson City. And we'll get on it and leave. Now let's get going. Get up! Get up! A few hours later, Sergeant Preston and King reached the branch in the trail beyond Bear Creek. Their progress had been slowed somewhat when they had reached the place where the crooks had taken to the shallow creek to cover their trail. But to an intelligent, well-trained dog, it made little difference, since the man's scent hung in the air, gradually settling on the foliage along the creek bank as it drifted in the slight breeze. When they reached the branch trail, King stopped a moment, sniffing the air. Sergeant Preston reined to a halt. Oh, there. Oh, no. The way you're acting, King, looks as though they've turned off on the branch trail. In that case, I'd say they were heading back to Selkirk. All right, King, go on, boy. Up there. Arriving in Selkirk again, Bill and Joe rode along the waterfront until they came to a cheap hotel. They left their horses in the stable back of the building, then went inside and spoke to the clerk, who knew them by sight. Hi, Bill. Haven't seen you and Joe around in the past 24 hours. We've been on a little trip, Dave. Uh, tell me, do you happen to know if the constable got back to town? Yeah, yeah, he got in this morning. He, uh, come here asking questions because of that bank robbery. Yeah, but I didn't know anything to tell him. Every time anything happens in this town, he comes here first, so I'm used to it. You didn't say anything about us, did you? You know I didn't. I protect our customers. Oh, your, your same room is waiting for oh, you. Oh, thanks, Dave. Come on, Joe. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah? Maybe uh, it'd interest you to know another Monty came to town last night. Hmm? Sergeant Preston, huh? that dog of his. Sergeant Preston? I thought he was in Dawson City. All I know is he come here last night, and he and his dog took out after those bank robbers. Thought you might like to know. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Let's go to our room, Bill. Joe, I don't like what I heard about Preston at all. Oh, stop being nervous. But I heard about that big dog of his and how he can follow a trail. I forget we were smart enough to break our trail by riding in that creek. Anyhow, how's Preston or that dog going to know which trail to follow? Lots of people walked in and out of that bank and rode their horses away from Selkirk, too. Just the same. I don't think he'd have left town if he didn't think he had something to go on. Well, worrying about it won't do any good. I think we ought to find someone leaving here with a boat today instead of waiting for the river packet. Yeah, could do that. Look, there's a barge belonging to the Yukon Mining Company that docked here with mining equipment last week. I noticed yesterday it was about ready to leave. I met the skipper. I know we could arrange to go with him. Then let's go talk to him now. We can go out the back way so Dave won't know we left the hotel. Come on. A short time later, after leaving the waterfront hotel by the back way, Joe and Bill went to the dock where the barge was moored. Let's go aboard. Hello there, Joe. You come to see me off? Well, not exactly, skipper. Coming to make a deal with you about going along. Well, we're moving out at noon. The tug's already got up steam. Can you be ready to leave then? We're ready right now. How much for both of us? <laughs> well, since I suspect you're running out on the law and I've taken a chance, it'll, it'll be a hundred dollars each. All right, we'll pay it. And gold. Yeah. Let's go to your cabin now. Give it to you. <laughs> we're running out on the law, right? Like you said, Skipper. And believe me, that Mountie and his dog will have a tough time trailing us from now on. We'll continue our story in just a moment. Fellas and girls, we're sure you will agree with Sergeant Preston when he says... I feel that every boy and girl should love and understand dogs. And you should recognize and know the different kinds of breeds. 
dogs are truly man's best friend. So, fellas and girls, listen carefully. Today is the very last time we can tell you how to take advantage of the wonderful new offer made by the swell-tasting breakfast cereal shot from gun. Simply go to your grocer, ask for Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice. Inside each package, you get two different challenge of the Yukon dog picture cards. That's two trading cards, each different in each package. And they're yours at no extra cost. These cards are made specially for you. They're like regular trading cards, stiff back, and have the same shiny, glossy finish as game cards. They come only with wheat or rice shot from gun. And these cards feature actual full-color Kodachrome photographs of real dogs, many champions of their breed. These cards are brand new, different, true to life. There are 35 different ones in all. Think of all the different kinds of dogs you can collect. Imagine owning a collection that includes the world's biggest dog, the world's smallest dog, the world's fastest dog. Best of all, there's Sergeant Preston's wonder dog, Yukon King. Yes, you can get an exciting trading card of King, the real King himself. On the back of each card, Sergeant Preston gives you a description of the dog. These cards give you valuable information about which dogs learn tricks easily or are good watchdogs. Just remember, you must hurry. Grocer's supply of these dog picture trading cards is limited. Don't wait. Today, ask for Quaker puffed wheat or Quaker puffed rice. You'll find not one, but two cards, each different, inside each package. They're yours at no extra cost. And they come only with Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice. Get both delicious kinds. You'll get four cards right off. Start a swapping club. Save, trade, collect these dog picture cards. Start today. Now to continue our story. Hearing that Sergeant Preston and King had left Selkirk the night before to trail them, the two crooks, Joe and Bill, who had doubled back to Selkirk, made arrangements with the skipper of a barge to sail with him. It was almost noon when Sergeant Preston and King arrived at the waterfront hotel and entered. Hi, Sergeant. Looking for somebody? Yes, I am. Two men, one tall, black hair, the other heavy set and redheaded. Uh, sorry. Don't have anybody here that answers that description. Sure of that? Positive. Uh, what do you want him for? Robbing the bank yesterday? <laughs> Seems to me you're wasting your time hunting for them bank robbers here in town. I'd say they lit out for someplace far from here. I have reason to believe they're here in town, and what's more, here in this hotel. Uh, I don't know what gave you that idea. My dog went down the corridor. What is it, King? Oh, wait a minute, Sergeant. I told you there's no man like those here. Oh, so you trailed him to this room, eh, fella? I can't let you disturb the guests in that Stand room. Stand back and keep quiet. You've said too much already. All right in there. Open up in the name of the queen. Yes, maybe they're out. You want to know if they're out? By the door. Wait, King. I have a gun. Come out quietly or I'll come in for you. You don't seem to be in there. I'll find out. Come on, King. You're right. They aren't here. Because it's empty. They came here today and then moved out. Moved out? Why, the dirty cheats, they owe me two weeks' rental. Huh? But I, I I didn't see them leave. I've been on duty out front ever since they come in this morning. And the men I want were here, eh? Lied to me, didn't do it. Well, I... I... Honest, Sergeant, it was only because I didn't want trouble in the hotel, you Shut see. up. I ought to run you in for trying to obstruct the law. Find them, King. Find them, fella. He's turning to the back door. So that's how they went out. I hope you catch him so I can get my money. I'll catch them sooner or later. You'll have to put in a claim for your money. All right, fella. I'll come open that back door for you. Running to the front of the hotel, Sergeant Preston mounted his horse and followed King, who was going toward the docks. Ready, fella. Easy. Get up there. Great dog King unerringly headed for the dock where the barge had been moored. As he approached, Preston heard the whistle of the tugboat that was pulling the barge away from the dock. Hold on, hold on, easy. As Preston ran toward the edge of the dock, he realized that the barge was out of hailing distance and headed upriver toward Dawson City. He stood for a moment watching. I know, fella. I'm sure they're on that barge. 
We'll get them yet. Come along, King. Steady, hold on. Easy. Get up there. A few minutes later, Sergeant Preston and King stopped in front of the constable's office. Oh, there. One King. come to town, we're trying to trail that bank robber. We were trailing them, Jack. I know where they are right now. Where? They're on the barge that just left the dock and is headed up river, pulled by a tug. Are you sure? I'm positive. King trailed them back here to Selkirk, and by the time he followed the trail to the dock, the barge was well out in the river. What are you going to do? Telegraph to Dawson City? We'll do that, yes, just in case. But I think they're too smart to go to Dawson City. They'll disembark before they reach there. I'll, uh... Get your horse ready while I send a telegram and meet me and we'll ride up river after that barge. I may need your help. All right. Be ready. It'll leave in ten minutes. Good. One king. After sending the telegram to Northwest Mounted Police Headquarters in Dawson City, Sergeant Preston and King joined the constable. Then they started along the river trail. Since those crooks don't realize we know they're on that barge, they won't expect us to ride along the river after them. That's right. Otherwise, they might try to outsmart us by getting ashore on the other side or something like that. Surprising to me how you and King have managed to trail him like you have. Credit for that goes to King. I won't be satisfied until we take those men into custody. I feel the same way about that. What worries me is that when we catch up to that barge, how are we going to go aboard if they don't make a stop? Well, think about that when the time comes, Jack. We'll find a way to get aboard, don't worry. Only stop before Dawson's at Indian Creek. Might be that the men we're after will leave the barge at that place. We'll catch up to the barge before it reaches Indian Creek. The tugboat that's towing it's fairly slow. We haven't had much of a head start. That's true. What's King getting excited about, I wonder? I guess he's sighted the barge. Yes, there it is, just ahead. Let's hurry and get alongside it. Get up there! Get up there! Meantime, in the skipper's crude cabin aboard the barge, Joe and Bill sat talking to the skipper and his wife, Mamie. Well, I guess we're well on our way, eh, skipper? Yep, we're putting in an Indian Creek this evening. That's uh, where you can get off if you want to. You said you didn't want to go to Dawson City. That's right. We waited Indian Creek for the river packet. What are you two men been up to, anyhow? I don't like for my husband to get mixed up in anything that might get us into trouble, Bill. Oh, never mind, Mamie. I'm the one that makes the arrangements about who rides on this barge, not you. Maybe so, but you better watch who you do take aboard. Yeah. Someday you might find yourself sitting in jail ashore. Ah, <laughs> oh, Mamie, there's nothing for you to worry about. We just want to get away from someone who's got it in for us, that's all. When we get to Indian Creek, you'll be rid of us. Well, it's all right with me. Well, I'm going to go on deck and get me some fresh air. Since we started coming here to the Yukon, that husband of mine's met up with a lot of men that don't do it. Ah, go on deck and let us be. They paid us in gold for this trip, didn't they? We sure did. Uh, Two hundred in gold. In gold, eh? Huh. Where did two fellas like you get that much gold? I bet you never worked a claim in your life. Now, look, maybe beat it like the skipper says. I don't aim to sit here and be insulted. Ha! Take more than that to insult you. <laughs> well, I'll leave you right now. As Mamie stepped on the deck of the barge, she walked to the rail and looked at the near shore casually. Then, hearing a dog bark, she focused her eyes on the shore trail. Looks like a big wolf running along the shore trail. Be sure a bold one to come. Seems to be two horsemen following behind him. Wait, they're mounted. I can see the red coats. Well, they must be trailing somebody. Hey, Skipper! Want to get a look at a couple of mounties? They're riding the trail right opposite the barge on the near shore. A couple of mounties, you say? Hold me back, Joe. Somehow they get wise we're on this barge. I knew you two been up to something. Keep your mouth shut, Mamie. This is my business. Hey, Mamie's right. There they are. Sergeant Preston, there's that big dog of his. We'll be able to stop it in the creek now. you got to figure some way to get off the barge. Are you crazy? How are we going to get off without a boat? Uh, you go over the side, the offside, so they won't see you. Swim for it. <laughs> This gun says that's what you're going to do. Like Mamie says, we don't want trouble with the law. Now, look, put up that gun. I can't swim, for one thing. And for another, I don't intend to. Oh, oh. my leg. Quick oh. on, Bill. You uh, shot yeah. my husband. Help! Help! Shut up, you. Oh. We're running this barge now. Get back into that cabin. Those 
Mounties got another think coming if they think they'll get us. Meantime, on the shore trail, Sergeant Preston and Jack, the constable, rode along keeping their eyes on the barge. They saw Mamie when she first came to the rail and left. Then, when the men appeared, Preston spoke. Look, Jack, three men are at the rail now. Yeah, seem to be looking this way. Something's happened. That shot was on the barge. Yes, it was. Woman's yelling for help. Yes, let's try to head to that point. The barge will pass close. We can get there before they see what we're up to. What can you do when we get there? King and I are going to swim out to that barge. Get up there! Get up there! Get up. Reaching the point, Preston and the constable drew raid. Hold there, hold on. I want to swim out with you. All right. We'll leave the horses here. Let's go. Better get our boots off. Tug just coming around the bend. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Be sure to keep your gun, Doy. Let's go. Let's go, King. On board the barge, the two crooks had forced Mamie into the cabin. Then they carried the skipper in and put him on the bunk. You want to fix him up, Mamie? Go ahead. You'll be sorry for this. Now on, you're staying in this cabin, Mamie, so as you can't signal the tugboat. As long as we're out in the river, we'll be safe for a while. Sergeant Preston, King, and the constable swam out into the river just in time to reach the side of the barge as it was passing. Preston grabbed a rope to trail over the side. We've got a hole in this rope. King, come here, fella. I'll get King aboard first. Let me help. All right, King. Here, fella. Pulling himself partway up the rope, Preston clung by one hand and then reached down as Jack, clinging to the end of the rope, took hold of King and helped push him up. Between them, they managed to push King high enough so that the great dog got his front paws over the rail. Then King, with Preston pushing, went over onto the deck. Wait there, King. Wait. Let's go, Jack. Give me your hand, Sergeant. Now, easy, fella. Wait till we get our breath. There's King crawling. He's picked up the scent of the man we were following. All right, King. Find him, boy. Inside the cabin, Bill and Joe sat with drawn guns as Mamie sat on the edge of the bunk near her husband, the skipper. We're making good time. Yeah. What about those two bonnies we saw on the trail? We'll lose them somehow. Anyway, they might not be after us at all. We heard that Preston and his dog were trailing us, remember? Yeah, that's right. Oh, well. Don't go with you don't. Hey, it's a Mountie. Preston! I'll settle him. Oh, you don't? Oh, my shoulder! You won't take me, Mountie! While Preston's attention was momentarily taken with Bill, Joe had jumped to one side and raised his gun to shoot. But at that moment, King, sensing the danger, had sprung forward and with a leap grabbed Joe's gunner. Oh, take him off! Get him away! Looking, bellboy. Hey, Joe, move past that time. These men shot my husband because we objected to them aboard. Yeah, that's right, Sergeant. They paid me 200 in gold to carry them on this trip. I got suspicious. Indian Creek's just a few miles upriver. I'll take these men off there. Yes. We can send someone for our horses, and we'll take these bank robbers to headquarters. Bank robbers, you say? So that's why they were skipping town, huh? Yes. And if you knew they were evading the law, we can take you to headquarters, too, for aiding in their attempt hey, to escape. Now, wait a minute, Sergeant. You've got to believe me. They, they told us they were just running out on someone who had a grudge against them. Did they, maybe? That's right. Huh? We didn't know until we saw you two mounted on a shore trail that they were skipping the law. I was suspicious of them, but we really didn't know. That's right. Well... All right, but you'll have to return the 200 in gold. That belongs to the bank. I, I don't see how your father. King got your ascent from a bandana one of you dropped at the bank. And from then on, there was nothing that could stop him from finally catching up with you. You mean that dog trailed him everywhere and finally led you to this barge? That's right. Oh, King, sure a wonderful dog. <laughs> he acts almost human, Sergeant. Yes, he does, Jack. If he could talk... I'm sure King would say he's glad this case is closed. In just a moment, Sergeant Preston will give you a preview of Monday's adventure. It's now or never. 
Yes, this is the last time we can tell you how to collect official Challenge of the Yukon dog picture cards. Remember, you get not one, but two of these terrific new dog picture trading cards inside each package of Quaker Puff Wheat or Quaker Puff Rice. That's two cards, each different in each package. These keen, stiff-back cards feature beautiful color Kodachrome photographs of real dogs. You get King himself. <laughs> And these dog picture cards, 35 of them, are yours at no extra cost. Don't wait until it's too late. Hurry to your grocer before his supply is gone. Ask for Quaker Puffed Wheat and Quaker Puffed Rice. Get both delicious kinds. That way you'll get four different cards right off. So hurry, don't put it off another day. Listen Monday, when Sergeant Preston and Yukon King meet the challenge of the Yukon... In the case of the duel. When I was called to Hangman's Creek, I learned that two men had set out to fight a duel. It was to be a fake duel. I didn't know that death was waiting for one of the duelists in the form of a sniper's bullet. Death was lying in wait for me, too, and King was not at my side to warn me. Be sure to hear this exciting adventure Monday. These radio dramas, a feature of the challenge of the Yukon Incorporated, are created and produced by George W. Trendle, directed by Fred Flowerday, and supervised by Charles D. Livingston. The part of Sergeant Preston is played by Paul Sutton. They are brought to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the same time by Quaker Puffed Wheat and Quaker Puffed Rice, the breakfast cereals shot from guns. This is J. Michael wishing you goodbye, good luck, and good health from Quaker Puffed Wheat and Quaker Puffed Rice. So long. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Fred Allen, followed by Boston Blackie. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.